tonight I'm, gonna, I'm continuing uh, the message here of a better story as we look through the book of Galatians uh, and just loving hearing Paul's heart for these people. And um, yeah, the last couple of weeks we've had a look at just a little recap of what's been going on. We've, we've had a look how Paul uh, addressed and is addressing how um, people came into the churches there in the area of Galatia and they brought a different story, a different gospel that was contrary to the true gospel, and it was a, a gospel that, that uh, said you had to follow the law more than following Jesus. It was more important of how, how strict you were on that law. And so Paul wrote this letter to kind of address those things. And, um, and then this week we're going to look at chapter 3 and uh, having a look this week at the power of control in our community, the power of control in our lives, stemming all the way back from Adam and Eve in the fall narrative of how control was there when uh, Eve chose to take of that fruit from that very beginning and chose to see what was good in her own eyes rather than trusting God. She chose to take control for herself. And so tonight we're going to come against that thought, come against the power of control, and um, I believe that God is going to speak to us, and God's Spirit is actually going to do something in us tonight. I so believe that this has kind of been a message that God's going to be, uh, has been talking to me about these last uh, few weeks, and just particularly this week, I had the sense that, Joel, you, there's this, this, this control thing that you keep holding on to, I'm going to break it from you. And I had this, this sense that God wants to do that for us as a community, us as a people, that God wants to actually shift something where we like to control how things look and how things play out in our lives. But God wants to continually let us submit to Him and trust Him, just even as that song we were singing, we will fall on our knees, surrendering our life, this disposition of trusting and allowing control to break. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here tonight. We ask that you would come and speak to us through your word and through your spirit. We are not here just to do religion, not just to tick the box, but God, we want to meet with you tonight. We want to meet with you. We want to hear your voice. Speak to us, God. We're here open-hearted. That God, it's not just these my words, but it's your spirit that is unlocking things and bringing transformation in our hearts. And so we are here just to open our hearts. Whatever that looks like for you guys here tonight, just open your heart, whether that's just breathing in deeply, deciding to just put aside that work thing. God, we just open our hearts. We want to let you in. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Come on, let's give him a proper hand. All right, well, this is half stuff. It's always like pity. Yay. <laughs> nah, love you, Michael. What a guy. What a guy. So, um, we're going to have a look at the story of control. 
a control story that is in our culture today, in these, yep, today. And then we're going to look at three things, okay, in our pursuit of looking at this. We're going to look at, firstly, uh, how to identify control. We're going to identify it. Secondly, how to break free from control. And thirdly, how to live uncontrolled, which just sounds amazing, doesn't it? Let's just live uncontrolled, just whatever kind of lives. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we'll get to there. Um, cool. So let's turn to the Word of God. And um, in, in, before we kind of read through, the, we're obviously going to read through Galatians 3, but before we read through some section, uh, the beginning of it uh, in Galatians 3 Paul addresses, continuing this theme of, of um, we have our faith. Our faith is so important. We are, are justified not by our works, not by the law, but we are justified. We are righteous. We are chosen from God by our faith, by our believing in God, by our believing in Jesus that he has changed us. And then he starts Galatians 3 by saying, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He uses this, this word bewitched, which is another translation says, who has put a spell on you? This, this feeling like these Galatians have actually totally been bewitched and there's a spell upon them to see a different kind of gospel. This is serious language that Paul here is saying to get to the point of cross that these guys are totally following something else, totally something else than what Paul intended and what he's spoken, declared over these people when he first visited there. And so there is a seriousness of what is going on. This is not just a, oh, you might have got something wrong. No, this is serious for Paul. This is, you've totally followed a different gospel and you're not actually following the way that Jesus wants you to. And so we recognize the seriousness of what Paul is saying and work through how that's tied to the control that we have in our lives. And so let's turn to the Word of God in Galatians 3. And we're going to read from verse 5. And this section, I'm going to kind of read from the message just to give us a little different take from Eugene Peterson's thoughts, a translation for this. He says, Answer this question. Does a God who lavishly, provides for, uh, who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving? or because you trust him to do them in you? Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God, and the act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. There's this sense that our, some of us think that it's our, our striving and our moral goodness, our getting what is right and wrong, that has actually caused good things to happen in our lives. And that's what Paul is addressing in these people, that this sense that we can control and do what is right and our wrong in our own eyes and sort it out for ourselves. And in our culture, we have such a feelings-based culture that what we feel is what is right and wrong. So much about what we feel is so important and it's accentuated even more in our social media today and how much you can kind of feel whatever you want and put it out there in social media and uh, it's just so saturated with what your feelings are. You're right. You actually get to determine what is right and wrong based on how you feel and how your emotions are. And so we're addressing this sense of uh, feelings-based culture, this 
this way that we just act and live by our feelings, and particularly around what happens on social media. And, and Timothy Keller, who, who's just written this little, little short book just recently um, that I was reading this week, it says this amazing thing about kind of the, the power of social media and our technology in our world. He says that in reclaiming conversation, Sherry uh, Turkle of MIT says that increased time on social media correlates with a measurable loss of empathy the ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. More and more, what is outside seems less real than what is inside one's head and feelings. Technology doesn't merely give us different beliefs, it changes the very way we form them. Beliefs become very thin, chosen only if they fit how we, would, we want to see ourselves and easily discarded when they do not. That particularly in our you know secularist society, our post-Christian society, uh, we, we a lot of people don't have a moral framework. They don't have a God to to think what is right and wrong. They actually get to determine that for themselves. And in pursuit of that, determining what is right and wrong for themselves, they can just they just go with what is feels good, what feels nice. And so this is detrimental because then we're in control. We actually have chosen to choose what is right and wrong based on what we want. And so we have taken control in our lives based on our feelings. And so we need to identify that this is going on. This is about us identifying that this is where our culture is at and realize how this could actually impact us as well. So firstly, we recognize that feelings control right and wrong, but also we need to recognize and identify that uh, controlling your life, controlling things for yourself, is actually another form of controlling God. And so if we think about how the law was established, we, yeah, we're going to kind of have a look at that Mount Sinai kind of thing. But before we go there, let's continue reading in uh, verse 10. Uh, from that passage, he continues and he says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, who does, who, whoever does the work of the law will live by them. What Paul here is saying is that when you actually just live by following the rules and following the law, we're actually going to stuff up. We're going to make a mistake. We're going to get it wrong. And how can we actually live by that? We are, in a sense, cursed, as Paul says. We're, in a sense, cursed because we will never meet up to those standards. We will never actually fully get it all right. And it all kind of works together in even just that first moment. So back in the day... In when Moses and the Israelites came out of Egypt, Moses went up into the mountain and he heard from God. He got the Ten Commandments from God up on a mountain and he came down, brought the Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of kind of the law, the law of God. He established that and told the people, come on, let's live by the law and we will be God's people. We are his people. He's given us this amazing law that we can live by. We're gonna get all, we've got all these rules and things going on for us, but we just need to live by them and we'll be okay. And uh, many of us know that that ends, that doesn't quite work very well for the Israelites. 
doesn't end up very well. It, it takes only 40 days. So the first commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then the second command, don't make an idol. Don't make an image out of God. And these first two commands are broken within the first 40 days. Moses goes back up to the mountain. He, he hears from God again. And the Israelites are, are down on, under the, down at the, uh, the foot of the mountain and they're making a golden calf. It takes them 40 days to stuff up. It takes them 40 days to, to not get it right. And here Moses is trying to hear from God and the Israelites are making golden calf. Now in actually reading this story, you think, oh, what they're actually doing is, is making a golden calf to replace God. They're actually making a new God. They're trying to replace God. And that's how I've always thought of it. But I was, I was uh, looking at it this week and it actually says they made a golden calf and called it Yahweh. It called it God himself. They actually, instead of replacing it with another God, they actually made an image for God. And it, in this sense, in doing this, they're actually trying to show, hey, you may look crazy and a bit scary on the mountain, but we're going to actually control what you look like. Making the golden calf isn't a sense of, I want a different God. It's a, no, I want to actually control what God looks like. I want to control how God acts. I want to control what God is doing to me. And I want to control how I sacrifice and look to him. This is us as humanity actually going, God, I want to take control in my own hands again. Instead of trying to figure out and learn how you're trying to speak to me, I'm going to just make, we're just going to make a golden calf to, to try and control what you look like. And this sense that what we, the Israelites did was, again, trying to control God. And so often in life, when we're trying to control things and trying to get by in our own strength, we're actually, in our sense, not releasing things and trusting God and actually trusting that He has His plans for us are amazing. And, and this happens to me all the time. I, I'm not, this is not just a, you guys are bad. This is, it happens to me it's so often that uh, I feel like I, I'm going through life and I just, a problem arises and uh, it, an issue happens and I just go into, let's sort this out and figure it out and I, I, everything rides on me. All the pressure is on me working it out for myself and working out what things need to take place moving forward. And so often I've found myself just stressed out and worried and God finds me in that place and goes, hey, can you just trust me? Hey, yes, I'm going to empower you and give you the strength that you need, but you need to continue to trust me. This is a daily journey of, of recognizing that we can't control everything that happens in life. But what we can do is trust that he has great plans for us. What we can do is trust that as we lean into him and, and learn from him, he's actually going to give us the strength and wisdom we need to trust him. This is all about identifying that control in our lives, that control that tries to grip us and pull us away from God, pull us away from trusting Him. Because I know what life is like. It's, it's hectic at times. It's crazy at times. And it's so easy to just get on with the job and get by just figuring it out. It's so much easier sometimes. But that's where the weight and the heaviness comes. So if we don't have that, that continual God... I just trust you again. Day after day, God, I just trust you again. Yet again, I, I can't control. God, I give you everything. I give you all my thoughts. I give you all that's going on in my life. God, I trust you again. It's that 
place that we need to continue to come back to and realize that we can't control everything, but we can just continue to trust in God because a controlled life leads to an uncontrolled heart. Controlled life leads to an uncontrolled heart. That a heart is all over the place. A heart is disordered. It's getting pulled in so many directions by what other people want to do, by our desires. Our heart is getting pulled out and we don't even realize it. The controlled heart leads to an uncontrolled... Sorry, a controlled life leads to an uncontrolled heart. So it calls for us to, yes, identify that control is working, but then to break free from control. It leads us to breaking free from that place, to break free from that hold of control in our lives and to allow God to transform our hearts. If we continue reading in Galatians 3 from verse 13, again in the message it says, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating curse life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared. And we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life his spirit in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Here we have Jesus representing. He, he's took in all of the sin, all of us trying to, to prove what is right and wrong, all of us trying to figure it out and in the process making a golden calf and trying to control what God looks like in our own strength. Jesus absorbed all of that into himself and said, hey, just trust in me. He, I've taken it all upon me. And now the air, I love how Eugene put it, Peterson puts it, the air is clear. It's like there's a freshness about it. When we actually realize that we don't control everything, when we actually realize that we can give things to God, the air becomes clearer. It's like you can breathe a bit easier and lighter. And your head starts to clear up a bit. And that his spirit, his life, comes in and invigorates us. His, his spirit is actually called to invigorate life. And it's actually called to bring newness of life into us. And so will we open up our hearts so to break free from that grip of control, to let the, the air clear into our lives. Now when we go to a, a doctor's checkup, the first thing they'll usually do is get the stethoscope out and they'll check your heart. That's the first thing they'll usually do is they get the stethoscope out, hear the pulse of your heart, hear how your heart is going. And if, if that isn't quite going too right, it doesn't matter what happens in the rest of the checkup because they need to address what's going on in your heart. Because if there's you know, a bit of inconsistency with that, if something's not quite right, I don't know what happens with your heart. I just know if it's, they do it for a reason. <laughs> and they, if, if there's something wrong, they're going to address that that's important and that is necessary to continue to address what is actually happening in your heart. And so we need to understand what's the condition of our hearts. That's sometimes what God wants to do to us. He wants to actually understand the condition of our hearts. And so what's the condition of your heart? 
What's the condition of the very centre of who you are? And sometimes it's kind of difficult to understand. What, I mean, what is our heart? There's so much involved with it. Um, but essentially, our heart, it compiles of, of four key things. Okay, you with me? This is not in, in the screens, but I, this, is, this is good. All right, four key things that compile of our heart. Okay, it's firstly our thoughts. Then it's our emotions. It's our body. And it's the social setting. All these things, there's like uh, internally, this happens. So you get thoughts that come. There's a, um, an emotion that comes, that something happens to your body and something happens in our social setting. All these things combine into the very person that we are. It creates the very center of who we are and our will is the very center, and that is our heart. Now, our will then actually decides out of these four key factors what we will do with those things. And so what happens to our body, our will then decides what, what, what are we gonna, how are we going to respond to that thing happening to my body, how are we going to respond to that thought coming in, how am I going to respond to that emotion, and how am I going to respond to that social setting. Our will actually then determines, our heart determines what is going to happen what is going to take place now that this thing has happened and then our actions come out of our heart, comes out of what we do, what we desire and happens in our heart. It's kind of what takes place. That's our, that's our heart, the very center. Every factor of life kind of pulls into and then the heart is at the center. It, we decide what we do with that information and what's going on and then we make an action. That's the center. Our heart is kind of the center of who we are. And so we need to learn how to let God actually transform that. We need to actually hear how is God moving in our hearts. And so uh, firstly, it needs to come from that place of letting God search our hearts. Letting God search our hearts. When's that last time you've prayed that prayer? God, search my heart. Actually, lead me in this moment. That this this situation is going on around me, and I'm feeling worried and anxious. But God, actually, what like search my heart? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? How, how can I learn from this? How can I let you actually challenge my heart in this moment? How are you putting the stethoscope on my heart and actually hearing in the condition and seeing the condition of my heart in this moment? When's the last time you let God actually in? to search your heart in those decisions, in your worry and stress, in those moments of light, to let God in, to search your heart. And then secondly, that we would believe that he will lead you. Just as that the scripture was talking about how Abraham was uh, considered righteous because of his believing in Jesus, in believing in God, in that moment, that that's what the condition of breaking free from control is actually letting God search us, but then having faith to believe that he's going to lead us. That's that two kind of things that we need to do to break free from control, letting him search us and hear our hearts and then leading us into a place where he calls us, leading us and, and hearing his voice to let him challenge us afresh. And so... Let's break free from that control. Break free from actually just feeling like we need to do everything and let God search our hearts to believe that he will lead us into greater days. And the thing is, it's that 
all of this that goes on in our heart, it's so much about like what we worship. And the thing is in our world that everyone worships someone. Every, sorry, everyone worships something in our world. Whether you're an atheist or you're a Christian, we all worship something. And usually to define what we worship, it's defined firstly by our heart desire. And that heart desire is our vision and our longing. The longing of our heart, what we're truly desiring after, whether it's money or whether it's fame or whatever our heart desire is, mixed with plus a sacrifice or an offering. It's that giving up. So what will we give up for that desire? What will we give up to, to get that thing that we truly desire? That is what we worship. That's how we define what worship is. It's, it's those two things of our heart desire, the longing of what we long for, plus what we are actually giving ourselves over to. That's what we worship. And so identifying where our hearts are at to break free from that and let God challenge us and change us it's good it's a good place to be it's a good place to be is everyone doing all right this is this we're going hard we're going at it but i love it we don't want to just tiptoe around i don't want to just give you a nice little fluffy message i want to address the very things that are important because this is we need to break free from this this thing of control and i again i'm preaching to myself so we're all in the same boat of working through this. We need to address it. And so in this breaking free from control, I think it's so important to, to realize that we need to dig into learning about Jesus. In order for us to, to um, actually do these things, to let God search our hearts and then to believe in him, we need to actually be like in his word, actually be really passionate about studying his word, be passionate about learning about the ways of Jesus. We can easily be passionate about kind of learning about all sorts of things. But seriously, this is so vital for the whole part of our lives is learning the ways of Jesus. And as we continue to delve into his word, we make it a priority to study his word and to make it a priority to get into prayer, then things can really happen in our lives. It's, it's, yeah, it's important. It's so key for us. And uh, in that process, I've, I've put together a little kind of guide, as I usually do, a devotional guide for the week, giving us um, some things to do each day to kind of dig into, to ask yourself some questions, um, to kind of dig into how can I break free from this control and let God teach me through it. So then comes from that place to break free from control and to live uncontrolled. Just the exciting part, the live just whatever free kind of life. <laughs> no, so it's, we're not talking about uncontrolled kind of uh, free living, loose, fruity, hippie kind of life. This uncontrolled is about uncontrolling how we see God, how we actually approach God. Because we often approach God with this controlled view, with this like like the people of Israel did in, in the early days of a golden calf, you, we want you to look like this. We want you to have a certain look and feel about you. We approach God with these prerequisites. And we, what we need to continue to learn to do is uncontrol, uh, which I don't know if it's actually a word, uncontrol, but, you know, that's all right. <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, uh, we actually need to learn how to uncontrol ourselves. Is there a decontrol? Is there anything that's nothing like that? 
<laughs> I don't, I mean, I, yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, out of control, stop controlling, but anyway, we were going with uncontrol, <laughs> we need to uncontrol, stop ourselves from control, uh, yeah, controlling God, and to actually let him come with all that he is, and approach him with just open hearts, approach him going, God, how, do, how can I see you afresh? And uh, particularly in, in our, what, what the, you know, the way that we need to see God is him as both uh, convicting and compassionate. Now, the thing with our culture is we often have one or the other when we're trying to address a certain thing. That we either have con- conviction that we demand a lot from people. We, we, you know, we want you to be the best, but we have low forgiveness. We don't have a lot of compassion. Or we have high compassion and we just, just do whatever you want to do and be however you want to be and low conviction. And we don't have the ramifications on that. But the important way of seeing God is with both conviction and compassion. That he is convicting in the sense that he, how we live our lives is serious and important. And it's, so we, we can't just take that with a whatever approach how we see and live our lives is important. There is seriousness about that. But then also, there's compassion that God teaches us to, to realize that there is no shame and there's no guilt, that we don't live in the place of shame and guilt, but there is forgiveness and love and compassion for all people. That, that's the story of the, that's the good news of the gospel, that we all are welcome and invited into a loving, grace-living God. And so this is so important for us to see both this, how God is convicting, but he's also compassionate, that he shows us this mercy, but he also takes this seriously, that we are called to realize, and if, if we don't see God in those ways, if we don't see either, either of those assets of God, then maybe we've kind of limited how we see God. We've limited how we view him. And we need to learn how to live uncontrolled. <laughs> we need to learn how to, to remove the control of how we see God and actually truly let him be all that he can be in our lives as we stop coming to God thinking that we know what we need to do. Stop coming to God thinking that we know where you're leading me. We know what I'm doing with my life. I've got this, God. I can just, I can figure this out. We actually need to let go of those things and allow Him, allow God to speak into our lives to change us and renew our hearts. And in Galatians 3.19, as we continue that passage, it says, Why then the law? Paul is saying, What's, what's the point of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring, until that chosen person who is culminating in Jesus, that, that this is that offspring, until the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made and it was ordained through angels by a mediator, now, a mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. Now, what here Paul is saying, okay, he's trying to address, what, why then, what's the point of the law? And, and he's saying that the law is added to the promise of you will be amazed, you know, you're going to live with God and you'll be blessed, was added because we got it wrong. 
We kept making mistakes, and so the law was necessary until there would be one who would come, who is Jesus, who is our incredible mediator. Now, that word mediator kind of links again back to that moment of Sinai. See, in that moment, in the mountain of Sinai, the the people of Israel were making that golden calf, and God was ready to, to kill them all. He was like, no, you know what? Let's start. This, this, these people are not getting it. I just delivered them from, from Egypt, but yet they still aren't getting it. They don't trust me. They're not really for me. And so God was ready to wipe them all out and start again with Moses. But Moses mediated for the people. He was like, no, God, you can't do that. You have a promise for these people. And he mediated. He stood up and said, no, th- th- that is not going to happen. Like, come on, let's, let's do this. You can use your people. And, and God changed. He, he, he intervened. And there's, you know, there's all this theology behind that whole thing that we're not going to go into. But uh, wh- the, the important thing was that there was a mediator. And God actually used that mediator as a part of bringing transformation for this community. And this was all. Moses was pointing to the ultimate mediator. For when we get it wrong, for when we actually make mistakes, there is the ultimate mediator in Jesus Christ who stood and stands as our representative to say, no, maybe you're going to get it wrong. Maybe you're not going to get it all right, but I'm standing here. Will you trust in me? Will you trust that I have good plans for you will you trust that that in me you're going to get you're going to experience the presence and power of god will you trust in me and let me guide you let me bring strength to you can you stop holding on to control any more longer but trust i am the mediator that's going to bring healing to your life can you stop holding on to control any longer and, and know that I am the mediator that's going to bring peace into that situation? Can you stop trusting and holding on to control any longer and know that I am the mediator that's, that's going to supply all that we need when we don't have and we're freaking out because we don't have the finances? Trust and know I am the mediator who stands and says I will Stand before God. I will stand for you. That's, how Je- that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what he continues to do. We can live in this sense that we don't need to trust in ourselves any longer because he is the mediator that stands for us, believing in us. And will, will, will we trust in him? Will we break free from this grip of control, of feeling like we need to sort everything out? And truly allow him to move in our hearts. Truly let him change us. 